Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 209 of the Alamo Audible podcast. This is a really big podcast for us, a big change. Obviously, if you're listening to it, you have found us on the Republic of Football podcast network. So thank you and welcome, especially to the new listeners. This is your host, Jared Kalmus. I'm joined by my co-host, Adrian Bermudez. Adrian, how are you doing today? What is good? What is going on? I'm doing excellent, sir. Back in the mood of football as spring practice has arrived. So I'm very, very excited for that. I didn't even register that this is episode 209. That means next episode is going to be <gasps> 210210, the city area code. Whoa. And maybe you don't religiously follow UTSA football, but we are known for having the quarterback with the number zero. And so those, those single digit numbers are voted and every single spring practice, it gets reset. So those single digit guys, these guys have had the single digit numbers for years and years. They're back wearing their double digit number, just regular spring practice numbers, right? You got to earn the star on the side of your helmet. You got to earn the single digit number. You got to earn whatever it is, right? And so this is where spring practice kind of restarts. Someone's going to get those 210. Is it going to be the same guys? We don't know. And maybe in episode 210, we reveal who gets the 210. So that could be pretty cool. How about that? Well, they don't vote until the fall so we don't go many months without a new podcast I does it not happen at the end no of spring? no it, they don't reveal it until like man like the week before the first game because it's, wow. it's always a huge pain for the equipment staff to go in and change oh, all the jerseys you know i think i might do recall that yeah because it's this will be the fourth year of well jeff trailer and of the 210 of mm -hmm. the single digit jersey awarding yeah so very good well, that's cool. Okay, well, episode 210, then we'll have to figure out something to do special. Yeah, something special. Gonna be, yeah. Gonna just, yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, top five UTSA players from San Antonio area. Oh, that would be epic. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to like write that, that down because I know I'm going to forget throughout the duration of us. Of all time, podcast. right? Yeah, of all time. Yeah. That's nice. Excuse the click clack of my keyboard as I furiously document this excellent idea. Yeah, for first time listeners, that might be a sound that <laughs> you have to familiarize yourself with because sometimes we we just like to be really good about the data and, and we have to verify it sometimes so yeah that's that's good spin that's good spin yeah, for, sure. for uh, sure but you know since we likely have a lot of first-time listeners tuning in to alma audible formerly known as alma audible mm -hmm. i thought it'd be good for us to introduce ourselves a little bit about us as individuals but also this podcast uh we have been in business for a long time for sure so figure we take you guys down a trip of memory lane and, and get to know us a little better i have been checking out all of the new podcasts on the rof feed as they've been released onto that feed so it's been cool uh to to meet some new passionate fans of various programs and um start to follow those podcasts more uh, a lot of our close friends are already uh on the rof feed so you know the good folks like the roost you know, we know those, those guys are our best buds, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of new guys and I'm sure a lot of first time listeners. So, Adrian, you want to start us off and I guess tell us a little bit about your journey to UTSA as a student and uh, I guess how you joined Elmo Audible and, and what you're up to these days. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. So I born and raised here in Houston, Texas, Spring, Texas, to be exact. And as a senior in high school, ventured off to San Antonio to visit the campus fell in love with it. So I applied to UTSA and I think I applied to Texas State as well. That was, that was pretty much it. And when UTSA sent me the thumbs up, it was it was a green light from there. I just love the campus, want to be a part of it. It was also that sweet, sweet moment in time. It was the eve of UTSA getting a football program, right? So I graduated in uh, the spring of 2011. UTSA played its very first football game in the fall of 2011, just four or five months later. I was on the drum line at high school. I was on the drum line at UTSA. Came out the tunnel in the Alamo Dome to bring in the football team that uh, that sacred inaugural day in front of 56,000 screaming fans. The largest inaugural game in NCAA football history. Thank you. And ever since then, was in love with UTSA football. Really just as a crazy uh, party-going college student <laughs> and then uh, as I became an upperclassman as an involved journalist for the school newspaper the Paisano shout out and held it down there covering the team from the press box alongside some of the legends of San Antonio news stations and sports stations and newspapers so that was pretty cool 
And uh, whenever I graduated, I could no longer write for the student newspaper. I had to go get a quote unquote real job. Uh, but before I did that, I sent Jared a DM on Twitter. That was that was really my, the the very first resume outreach that I did do in the in the professional world. <laughs> That's funny. I think CJ our intern did the same thing. I think we were the first like outlet that he reached out to as a college school. as a college graduate. The first business move I made, yeah, sliding into Jared's DMs, and I was like, "Hey, I know that you cover UTSA. I would like to cover UTSA as well. If there's any room for me." So he invited me to Underdog Dynasty. Shout out Underdog Dynasty. Uh, we held it down over there, writing some articles. Jared was kind of already in the podcast space, needed some help, came in and guested with him. This was back in 2015 or 16. 15. We started 15, 15. We were operating under Almodome Audible, 2015. And uh, wow, incredible. Yeah, Frank Wilson's uh, first year on campus, 2016, uh, is whenever he got there. That's whenever I was a graduate. See, take a order, a lot of fun. Eight years later, we've just rebranded to Alamo Audible. That's a different story. It's on our feed. You can go find that. And uh, Jared and I have just been chipping away at this bad boy. It's grown bigger than we could ever wrap our heads around. And we are just trying to manage it, much like UTSA football. Yeah. It has grown at a, an accelerating pace. And, and we've just been trying to manage it and bring very good content to a, the, the great Roadrunner faithful that deserve it so, so much. Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, I feel like uh, this thing has gotten so big. I spend more time managing Alamo Audible as a platform and as a business than I do like actually writing and podcasting, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and I can't complain too much, but man, sometimes I'm like, I wish I had two, three hours to sit down and, you know, turn out, you know, a nice little thousand, two thousand word uh, article like the good old days, but hopefully things mm. stabilize a little bit. Um, well, I'll introduce myself a bit, uh, just like Adrian did. So, um, my story is I grew up in Victoria, Texas. Shout out to the 361. Shout out to mm. Coastal Ben, mm. the crossroads. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, as a first generation college student, I never really knew what to do as far as college. Like, I didn't know what a FAFSA was. You know, I, I didn't know much of anything. Uh, and I pretty much wanted to go out of state <clears throat> when I was in high school. Um, and then the 2008 market crash happened and, and the money that my parents had saved up to send me away to college uh, disappeared overnight. Uh, <laughs> shout out to everyone uh, going through their first financial downturn. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> uh, it gets better. It gets better. Um, so then once that money went away, I was like, OK, well, I guess I need to. <laughs> Adrian is like dying laughing on mute. <laughs> Man, unbelievable stuff. And then, uh, so you know, once once the little savings pot went away, I was like, all right, well, I better I better stay in state because you know I'm paying for this thing myself. And uh, you know, Victoria has this weird tradition that has, coolly enough, and it kind of continued on past my day. But um, it's out. It's all, it seems like like Victoria just sends their best to UTSA. Like wow. I don't know what it is. it's a small town, but for some reason, like good people end up going to UTSA and being really involved in campus and being really mm -hmm. proud of their alma mater. Um, so I know like when I was a junior in high school, a lot of the kids that were like one year ahead of me, like went to UTSA and like one girl was on the dance team. Um, someone that I went to school with ended up being Rowdy's Wrangler. Right. So like, I don't know, it's just always been like that kind of cool tradition. So I was like, you know, UTSA seems cool. I like San Antonio. You know, we used to go to San Antonio all the time, go to Six Flags, mm -hmm. you know, play schools and sports up there or whatever. Um, and I really like that area, like kind of blends the hill country and, and South Texas together, you know, so it felt very familiar and, and like home to me. Um, so then I go drive around campus for the first time. I'm like, man, this place is like way different than all the other colleges that I've toured, right? Like I went to Baylor, I went to Rice, I went to UT uh, and A&M and all of them. Like, I don't know, like I didn't feel like a sense of place or connection there. Um, but when I got to UTSA, I was like, oh, it's like sleek and modern and everything is brand new and it, it feels like the future, you know what I mean? Um, so I was like pretty tied in. And then uh I was doing this creative writing course in high school, and they sent out like scholarship uh contest for UTSA. And um I wrote my entry about how uh keep in mind this is in 2010. I wrote mine about how Twitter is gonna change journalism and mm. like regular people are going to be like making the news and stuff 
<laughs> so, Fire. Uh, I, I've got a lot wrong in my in my time, but that that was a pretty good take for uh, a seventeen year old or whatever. Uh, so I got that scholarship. I was late to submit it, so I, did, I was worried it wouldn't get into the mail. Uh, my mom drove me up to UTSA's. I think it was in the main building on campus, and I hand delivered it. <laughs> Maybe that's why I won. They're like, "This guy's insane." <laughs> um, and then I got that scholarship, and and the rest was a wrap. So uh, I also wrote for the Paisano, like Adrian did, the student newspaper. Uh, but I was just covering like culture, music, arts, stuff like that. You know, going and checking out buddy shows and writing up concert reviews and stuff like that. Um, and I, I tried to do sports at the Paisano, but they were pretty full, like roster was. Um, so I started doing Coker Chronicles once football season or once the first football season started. And um, so I've been podcasting UTSA since like the before it even started, really. You know, I was at the first practice. I was tweeting at the from, from the first practice mm-hmm. and did Coker Chronicles for a long time and then moved to Underdog Dynasty once that thing started up and. I was a co-manager there for a long time, still contribute and help those guys out where I can. Um, but then once uh, Cobra Chronicles became Cooler Chronicles and then shut down, um, I knew I wanted to stay doing a UTSA podcast. So I started up Alamodo Audible as a solo venture and I would just get random friends and, and guests on and stuff like that. And then like the first time I had Adrian on, like everyone knew, like the two of us knew, the listeners knew uh, that this thing had legs and there there was no... <laughs> No second thought about who the co-host was going to be. And uh, here we are today, man. It's it's nuts to see how far we've come. Wow. 299 episodes, man. And that those are just like the regular feed episodes. That's not like all of our Patreon episodes. Right. That right. doesn't include like my last podcast of, of Coker Chronicles and all we that. Don't keep all count. We don't, yeah, yeah, we don't keep count of the blog posts. Don't keep count of the film reviews. Yeah, so there's there's. Oh, a, I know. I I can, I can find them. I can find them. There's a ton of content. There's a ton of content. Yeah. Vast numbers of it goes back yeah. ten years. The archive. So right. <clears throat> and I'll say too. I mean, I, like us as a podcast, you know. So we really strive to cover all sports at UTSA. So we've been getting really, really, really deep into baseball coverage this year. We brought mm-hmm. on Dan Erdahl, who's been just a godsend when it comes to baseball. We we owe Dan eternally for the coverage that he's brought. Uh, we do basketball coverage, soccer. I mean, everything, really. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, Dave Campbell's Texas football, like it's a football podcast. Yeah, you're right. So we're going to keep our football stuff on this feed. And then our all Olympic sports, non-football stuff is going to stay on our normal feed that we had before we joined Dave Campbell's and ROF, right? So if you're interested in, in non-football stuff at UTSA, uh, search for Alamo Audible on your podcast platform of choice, and you Absolutely. can subscribe to our non-football feed there. And then we are super active on our Patreon as well. We've got a lot of Patreon subscribers and we do a lot of stuff over there. So we do like uh, bonus episodes uh, during football season once a week, right? Of uh, Bringing in like, the opposing team's beat writer or a fan, whatever. Uh, we do kind of like more off the wall type episodes, uh, stuff that's like kind of more sensitive that maybe we don't want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, to a wider audience and keep it within like the paywall, right? Mm-hmm. Have some honest discussions, which we probably need to do about basketball. <clears throat> um, mm. I've been clearing my throat a lot, but that one was intentional. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys will support us on Patreon and also you get to get all of our podcasts in one place on the Patreon app. So I want to say thanks to Mike and Ishmael for hooking us up with that. Um, sure. as bringing us onto ROF because, uh, we kind of, we kind of made life difficult for them, <laughs> but we wanted to make sure our patrons were, were well taken care of. Um, and yeah, I guess I didn't mention like we have our full website too, um, alamodoaudible.com, which will soon be alamodoaudible.com. Uh, probably sometime this weekend we'll make that change it's a big one um and then all i think all of our social media stuff has been moved over to alamo audible so twitter instagram facebook mm-hmm. yep Fine. Alamo, audible. alamo audible alamo audible com. it's where all of our stuff is on the website and make it super easy for you guys but especially yep. for y'all that that pay attention to your to your school your alma mater your your regional schools other sports and you want to check out the competition? Yeah, we cover all of them for UTSA. So, yep. indeed, our doors are wide open. We're very, very stoked to have you listening. Very excited. We appreciate your ears, your time, and attention. And uh, we hope you enjoy. And, and yeah, uh, wide, wide open doors. Our house, your house. Nuestra casa es su casa. You know how we say in San Antonio. So, come on through. Come on through. Make yourself a little 
bowl of menudo and get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, if you join our Patreon, you do get a shout out on the podcast. So no new subscribers this week, but do want to say thank you to our big money donors and our board of trustees members as we do every week. That includes Ben Tovar, Rick Cortez of Rowdy Road Grillers, the Bunch family, Zach Espedicueta and the San Antonio Podcast Network, Brandon Patron. I got my three six one shout out for Brandon. He's from Port Lavaca. Mm. Uh, the Fikes family and our board of trustees members include Digiteek, John Otwell, Lino Perez of Los Dos Rowdy Tailgating, Gary and Ruben representing the UTSA Bird Gang Tailgate, Ray Redding and Mimi Paparel, Brandon Grill and the Grill Realty Group, and Andy Elizada and Proficient Benefit Solutions. So thank you guys all so much for supporting Patreon and uh, all of your businesses and tailgates now get additional exposure with us joining the Republic of Football podcast feed. So excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get down to business. You know, we got we got the the fun stuff out of the way. It's time to put a finger in the grass and and start talking a little football. But that three-point stance. Yeah, dude, we're back. We're back in the saddle again. UTSA football is back in the saddle again after a couple months of off-season relaxation, uh, maybe a little bit of not following the diet plan and uh, hanging out, having fun. We are back. We're back. We're back in pads, already past the shell days. I think we're click-clacking full on now. And uh, so, dude, yeah, we're really, really excited. So I guess it's been about a, a week and a half of spring practice now. On, on this Wednesday, I believe the first. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah last Monday it would have been six, I think. So, dude, we're 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 full on rocking and rolling now with spring practice, and so I think now because those first couple of days, dude, it is what it is. You know, you, you got guys that haven't worked out in weeks, haven't eaten right, haven't playing football. Period. Right. Haven't uh, hitting guys, catching balls. Definitely haven't been running. I'm doing any sprints, and so you're rusty. Yeah, I I think whenever you finally get here in the week two, and you start You're making all these players sound like bums, man. Getting the shells and pads. No, I'm just talking about spring practice in general. I think that's a that's kind of a universal <laughs> how spring practice goes. I think by the time you get into week two, like you you've shaken off all that rust, right? And 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 now you're kind of really starting to take form and take shape. And as we're kind of watching these post practice interviews and reading these post practice notes, certainly seems to be the case. Things are starting to get a little bit sharper. We're starting to kind of take form here. Yeah, they did move into pads, I think, for the first time this week. Just shells rather than a full pad, not going super crazy. But I think, like, once the pads come on, it kind of sharpens your focus a little bit. And you're doing more drills that feel like football than, like, you know, duck walking underneath a a chute, right? Or diving into tackling dummies and stuff like that like you're doing the oklahoma drill and you know getting some actual contact you're like Mm -hmm. oh yeah like i I have muscle memory on how to do these motions and i'm not doing like weird stuff right guys have have you seen those like tackling things where it's like a donut and they roll it and then you gotta dive for like one arm (laughs) to the circle one arm outside (laughs) stuff like that it's always been crazy to me crazy crazy weird technique work yeah sure now yeah. now you have guys going up against one another a little bit and natural competition mm-hmm. comes out guys are trying to be better than the guy across from them right. earn those reps earn those snaps yeah man absolutely it's what you're seeing and, and that's kind of the main name of the game for utsa especially for those of y'all that are kind of listening in for the first time uh look utsa very much still a veteran led team and it seems like it's been that way for about four three straight seasons right i know and, and it, man and, and, and it is it, it kind of is and so you you've got an offense and you got some guys on defense that it's just laden with three and four year starters and so a lot of those guys are just not getting reps in spring practice there's no need for them to the, the playbook hasn't changed very often through trailers time here even though you know our offensive coordinators have it's still more or less the same kind of offense that, that we run and that and that we're running scheme-wise, formation-wise. These guys don't need a whole bunch of reps, especially in the spring. And so UTSA is trying to figure out what is their two deep? What is their three deep? Who's the twos and the threes? Who's going to separate themselves to be in those backup positions at the skill positions and to be regular rotational pieces at a lot of key positions, especially there in the trenches. UTSA runs a lot of rotation there on the offensive and defensive line all through the season doesn't matter who we're playing Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the score is guys are getting rotated out and there could be a clear-cut mile between one and two we're still doing rotations here and and a lot of everyone's getting their snaps so that's that's the name of the game is is finding out who our deep guys are who our depth guys Jared. yeah it's interesting I, i feel like spring camp under jeff trailer has had a very different 
guess objective or strategy behind it uh than we saw you know under frank wilson and under most coker years right mm. um and i don't know if that's just like this the strength of the depth that jeff trailer and his staff have cultivated uh roster wise or you know just the COVID year giving that extra year of eligibility but um it seems like as long as trailer has been here there have not been like massive glaring questions that have to be answered in the spring so the spring okay. camps at utsa throughout the trailer era have been very much like um i guess like otas in the nfl you know mm-hmm. it's like you're just trying to figure out who these new guys are trying to get them into the system get them to learn the playbook but you're not so much like implementing a whole offensive scheme. You're not implementing an entire new defense, right? You're not moving a lot of guys between positions and you're yeah, not looking for a yeah. team leader. Like that, that's all like addressed and answered every year. You're spot on. Spring. You're spot on. And, and, and I think either it might be part of the roster depth, Jared, but what I think it is, is what you just said, it's the system. I don't know if Coker Wilson definitely didn't have the system sort of solved and and trailer really has got that down and, and culture kind of goes into that as well which yeah. he talked about a little bit in his in his post-practice interviews you think you know you graduate a lot of guys first day of spring practice are guys going to be as sharp paying attention as focused and as enthusiastic to be there right are they gonna be kind of dragging first day of school style and uh no he said there was no drop off the guys were laser locked they were ready to learn they were ready to get in there and get better and uh, I think that has all to do with the system and with the culture that's it's sort of ingrained. And like you said, you just got to get guys into the system, but you don't have to figure the system out. Yeah. And I think that's what our our previous two coaches kind of were always doing during spring practice. And yeah, you know, I think part of that is just the lack of success, right? Like if you're coming off of a three win season, you you feel a need to like major reshuffle something, right? Um, trailer has been fortunate to avoid those kind of rebuilding gears um, as far as like bouncing back from low performance. But the other thing that I think really has a lot to do with how these springs have gone under trailer is, you know, for as much as some fans deride it, and sometimes I do too, but trailers strategy of internal promotions for coaches Mm -hmm. that we just talked about in episode 208, Mm -hmm. I think has a big part in how these spring camps never feel like really what's the word new substantial like fundamental to the success of the program because it's it's always a continuation of what was done last year like it never feels like a reload or rebuild right like you're going to lose some big guys you're going to lose some coaches to some really high paying power five jobs but when you look around the team meeting room and the race you recognize everyone in there right even Mm -hmm. if they're a new coach or they're a new recruit you know odds are the other guys in the position unit are maybe not veterans but they've been here a while right so i I think just that familiarity carries over and it also helps uh reinforce the culture that's been built you know you're not going to be like oh we're getting this juco guy in he's going to be our best player uh we're depending on him to win the season uh but oh it turns out he's kind of a jerk and he doesn't like to to be a good leader right like that's that's not happening at utsa because they're not in a position to rely on newcomers or outsiders or whatever um, to implement their culture it's already in place right and that's and that's how trailers cultivate it internal promotions keeping guys here keeping them on staff and sort of prepping them while they're on staff for kind of putting them in position to have those internal promotions you see him sort yeah. of levy more and more duties on his assistant staff and, and his lower level kind of coaches and and slowly but surely give him more duties more obligations more responsibilities to then whenever it's time to fill a new coordinator position or a new position coach position, head position coach position, then they do it. They do it and they move them right into it seamlessly. And, and the guys don't really have any drop off, but players aren't having to learn new coach's name and the coach's familiarity. He's, he knows all the players' nicknames, right? And, and and all the guys' last names and jersey numbers. And he's able to just kind of go there and jot mm-hmm. it all off. It doesn't feel like a quote unquote new season just feels like you're back in the locker room, you know, a month later and, and we're back from this little break, but it doesn't feel like I, from the player's standpoint, that is, it doesn't feel like we're starting from square one. We're just moving right off of the last square that we were on. Right. Whenever we won the conference championship and lost the bowl game, we're kind of just going from there. And so, yeah, I, I love the dynamic of it, Jared. And, and yeah, the, the system's working. And so you don't feel the need to make those changes uh, like 
coming off of a three win season, you feel like there's probably yep. something wrong with the system, which you right. can argue that there is. <laughs> there's evidence to make that case. We haven't had that yet. And so fingers crossed that continues. <laughs> oh, I was like, wait, what, what are you what are you gonna complain about, man? Back to back conference champions. Like, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a big of a nitpicker as I call, but what can you do? The system's working, isn't it? And so, yeah, yeah. So the fingers crossed things stay that way. <laughs> and yeah. uh, as, as we move into AAC, we don't have too many systematic issues. Uh, fingers crossed, though. And so right. as far as the actual roster goes and as guys are trying to figure themselves out, we kind of know who our ones are. We know who our main guys are, but it's figuring out, especially in the trenches, Jared, who's going to be twos and threes sure we've got some new signings we've got we've got a few new juco transfers uh, you, you've got guys now with more veteran leadership on the squad especially after last season we were so injury prone so a lot of young guys kind of got thrusted into getting a lot of snaps mm-hmm. a lot of experience so they're better now they're ready to be kind of at the level that they were thrusted into last year now they're ready for it well, how's it really really shaping out one 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 main main dynamic here that's different from last season is It appears to be that the offensive line is a pretty stacked room. The defensive Mm -hmm. line, at least from what we hear, is a little bit more thin. Yeah, it was really interesting. I think in Trailer's first press conference of the spring, could be wrong, could be second maybe, Mm -hmm. he said that there are offensive linemen running with the threes that he feels like are worthy of starting. Wow. That's never been the case at UTSA. Like last year, there was good depth. And it got tested, and well, they well, they delivered, right? Frankie well, Martinez, yeah, Walker Beatty, right? We had threes starting, but not because yes. not because yes. they were ready to in spring, because because well, by way of necessity, right? <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good way to put it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it sounds like with the addition of like some of the JUCA guys that went out and got the younger guys, just being more physically mature and, and setting their bodies and all of that. Um, it's now not so much of like, if we put a three out there, we can still win a football game, but more of a sense of that competition for that backup spot is tougher than it's ever been. Right. And, um, I mean, it it might get to the point where UTSA might lose an offensive lineman and they make a transfer to division one program and, and play there. Right. Like that, that seems entirely foreign to us that UTSA would have a surplus of offensive linemen. Um, you know, for those that are maybe listening to this because it's new to your feed and you don't follow UTSA this closely. I mean, offensive line was the Achilles heel for UTSA for nearly a decade, maybe a yeah. decade. I Remember don't know. For life I mean, it's program, just, arguably, it, it's, yeah. it's the hardest offensive tackle. I think is the hardest position to recruit in football, right? There are only so many guys that are six, 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 seven that can move around quick enough to get to the next level. Right. And can understand your offense and you can get out in space and block on a screen pass and stuff like that. So UTSA has always been behind the eight ball and building that offensive line. Right. So mm-hmm. for fans that have been here for a while and know the game, it's just, it's still, I still get taken aback. Right. When I look at this depth chart and I see like, Oh, like a four star offensive lineman that had 27 offers from division one programs is not running with the ones right now. He might end up there right by the fall, but just to see that depth is um, it's great for the team. It's also just really strange because it was so bad for so, so long. I mean, right. there, there was a period of time where the average offensive lineman at UTSA was like six foot two, two ninety or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like to- totally like an FCS offensive line. We've made a very clear focus to bring more offensive linemen to campus. Sure. Uh, We've done that by way of signing guys out of high school and getting JUCO transfers up in here. And so over the years, the stock is slowly and surely kind of built up. But last year, we were just so, so injury plagued. A lot of guys were thrusted into positions that they weren't ready to be at, uh, which gave them a lot of experience. But not only that, they weren't just thrusted into positions that they weren't ready to be at. They were, they were thrust into positions they had never played before. You had guys playing guard, playing tackle, playing center. You had guys playing all three positions. You had to play a left side. You had to play a right side. You, you had guys all over the offensive line. And Jared, I'm going to go ahead and say that probably did a hell of a lot for for this group kind of going forward as well. Just sort of getting the versatility of learning each slot and and becoming a better blocker in that regard, uh, whether it was straight up or, or, or combo blocking or learning the pools, learning the assignments and mm-hmm. learning where each guy is supposed to go. I, I guarantee it's made them 
all better offensive linemen individually and as a unit because they understand where everyone else is supposed to be. The mental aspect of it is huge because not only do you feel more flexible and more comfortable in your footwork when you've had that experience, like mm. um, playing those different positions, but you also know the assignment of the guy next to you and the guy further down the line, right? So I think it should, in theory, reduce the number of mental mistakes that you see from the offensive line because they're not like having to rack their brain. Like, okay, if we run like trap to the right hand side, like what's the left guard doing on this play? Like, am I going to run into him if I take this step? Right. Right. Um, It all just comes very naturally. And like you already know, like what's going to happen on a play before it happens. Right. Um, As a guy in high school who did like some swing utility offensive line work, I hated going back and forth between <laughs> positions, right? Because your steps are different, right? Like where you put your hands are different, right? Um, so I think like settling down into that single spot helps you excel in that position. Right. But having that experience of playing different positions helps like your baseline, right? Because right. Like, you don't know the playbook so well. And now they can focus and hone in and concentrate at, yeah. at being that yeah. special. So, so, kind of. so all that to say, it's great that they did that last year, but please, sweet baby Jesus, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, it's once funny. is enough. <laughs> it's funny because Trailer was actually talking about how, how much better that is for, for the individual player uh, and going to the next level as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you've got, an offensive lineman that can sort of shift around, you know, he might go, yeah. he, he, he might be attractive in the NFL at a completely different position than what he excelled at. Man, you just got to look at UTSA alumnus Spencer Buford. He's a perfect example. Yeah, 100 There you go. There you go. Boy's going to get paid for a long time, man. He's going to get that second, third contract for sure. And, you know, he was a tackle, I think, all four years at UTSA. And now he's starting guard for the 49ers. So let's talk about some of the names on UTSA's offensive line right now. Sure. Uh, Looks like Ernesto Almarez is going to be taking over at the center position. Uh, mm-hmm. But he trailer also mentioned that Luke Lopez also looks really good at center. And so mm. maybe he'll be a guy that's uh, that's able to take take some snaps of that spot if necessary. Yeah, Lopez really impressed me last year. Um, I can't remember if he was a retro freshman or sophomore, but he looked good. And there was one game where I tracked like Lopez's series versus like whoever else was playing guard. And they scored a touchdown on every drive that Lopez was in. And they didn't score on any of the drives where he was out. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm really forward to him developing. You know, it's going to be tough for him to break in the starting rotation this year because, like, there's so many good players, uh, older players ahead of him. Um, but he definitely looks to be a building block for this offensive line moving forward. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, Lum Sony's a currently redshirt sophomore. Okay, yeah, so he was redshirt freshman last year. Yeah, really impressive. Oh, well, let's let's work our way out. So guard position. What are you hearing at guard? And who do you like there? Well, I think guard is a little bit more wide open because I don't really know who's playing center versus guard, right? Um, I mean, Almaraz definitely seems to be the starter at center. Um, so, you know, if Lopez is going to be uh, the backup center, then maybe he's a starting guard. I that's guess. what I think. Yeah, that's what I you would know? imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Demetrius Allen played offensive tackle for UTSA. Well, the past couple of years, but I always thought he um, kind of projected best as a guard. You know, he's six foot three, two ninety five, so his size lines up more uh, with a guard than it does for tackle. So, you know, I think he's one of the veterans on this offensive line. I would look to see him uh, kind of figure in to the uh, equation there. Um, Terrell Haynes is back for another year, so he's most likely going to grab one of those starting positions just based off his. Um, experience and, and time in the trenches at UTSA. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Payne Hibbert moves from tackle to guard. I think he's another guy that, that fits better there than he did a tackle. Um, and same for Finley Tadafu. <laughs> Just a great reminder of what we were saying earlier. You know, these guys played all these different positions and, and out of position. Um, but I think those are the guys that we're going to see battle it out for those two spots. Yeah. But if yeah. I had a bet, I'm going to say Demetrius Allen and Payne Hibbert are your day one starters against Houston. Yeah, I think I think I think you got that right uh, with with Hebert and Allen going and, and being kind of the, the main names at guard. And you hear Trailer kind of throwing around all the names, but it, it seems like he's trying to figure out who's gonna be the main guys at the tackle position. And then from and then I think who's not separated themselves will, will maybe have to default over to a yeah. guard position. Well, because you know, I don't know. Now I think about it, I think Allen might stay at tackle. It's about to see. 
I think he made a comment about Datafu and Payne being focused at tackle. I think Greg Luca may have asked him about, hmm. about that. But it's interesting because you brought in the JUCO transfers, right? Yeah. And both of those guys were top JUCO tackles in the country. You want to talk about them a little bit? Buffalo Daniel? Yeah, Buffalo Cruz, a uh, little bit lower rated than Ogundipe, uh, Daniel Ogundipe. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but both, I think, are the highest rated JUCO recruits UTSA signed at offensive line. I mean, Ogundipe is the highest recruit in, in program history. Mm-hmm. Um, Cruz is a little bit quicker, I think, than Ogundipe. Um, his huddle actually describes him as a speed tackle which I thought was super cool. I love that concept of a speed tackle. That's nice. You know, offensive lineman is so quick. You know, he he can use the word speed and it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I think both are tremendously high ceiling players. I think both guys really fit what UTSA has been looking for at that offensive tackle position. Um, you know, with their zone blocking scheme, they really want guys that can get out in space and, and go out and grab an outside linebacker and, you know, seal them off of the edge, right? I think... Um, I saw a lot of stats last year of like UTSA's success um, on inside runs versus outside runs. It was like way higher on the inside and they really struggled to bounce out and get that outside spot. Um, that improved a bit with Kavori and Barnes because just he was so fast. You know, he was like kind of outrunning the outside linebackers and and the defensive ends. But I think that's um, something that UTSA's really been missing on offense is that speed at the offensive tackle position. So um, I think Cruz is probably a little bit more raw than Okendipe. I think um, I'd be a little bit surprised if he did get the nod as a starter. Um, okay. But, you know, him being in the 2D does seem pretty likely. Um, and then Ogun Dipe, man, whew, 6 of 5, 285, but he's all muscle. He's he's really, really well built. Um, I don't I don't know if I'd want him to get much bigger than 285, just, you know, seeing him on film. Uh, just a really well built dude. Started his career at Old Dominion, went to Iowa Central Community College and, and ends up at UTSA. And the best of this guy... Yeah, the top of UTSA is crazy to me. Um, you know, we've talked about it in podcasts in the past, but I think the Power Five is so focused on the transfer portal. They're letting some uh, gems fall through the cracks at the Juco level. Um, mm-hmm. Ogun is a monster, man. He he just completely dominates at the Juco level. So I'm really excited to see him, uh, you know, show what he's got at UTSA. Immediate, and, immediate yeah. impact. Immediate yeah, impact. Yeah, I think so. Right I think day. so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, UTSA is like so deep at offensive line. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if one of the returners like does beat him out. Um, but both guys are only sophomores, right? So they've got a lot of room to grow. I think just like Zay Frazier, cornerback last year, you had these really high expectations uh, for these JUCO transfers that are really highly rated. But you got to keep in mind, like they're only sophomores, right? So the seniors um, really have a leg up as far as like football IQ and development of their strength and all of that. So, yeah, but I think both guys are are. They're, they're probably pretty likely to be bookend offensive tackles and both start together for a couple of years at UTSA, whether it's in 2023 or 2024. Wow. Yeah. So uh, a lot of history to look forward to coming up for, for uh, a, a, a lot of future, I should say, to look forward to uh, for, for UTSA offensive line, right? We haven't had it mm-hmm. forever. And now it looks like we're primed yeah. to have it set up for us for a good yeah, while. And- it's funny too, because if you all remember, like I think Trailer's first class, it took like five high school offensive linemen. And I think we've only talked about one of those right. guys so far. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of interesting that those guys were kind of at the time intended or perceived to be the future of UTSA's offensive line. But I think like the level of recruit they've been able to pull in since then is just so high that you know it's kind of changed the equation. And so those guys are really gonna have to fight those that those young freshman fives that we're calling them are really gonna have to fight for spots. Because uh, from a physicality standpoint, I think some of these newer additions are just kind of on a different level um, when it comes to size and strength and athleticism. Yeah, sure. And you know, keep in mind you have you have two coaches focused on the offensive line, and Kurt Trailer and Jared Anderson. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit. In our last episode, we kind of, I guess, um, hypothesized what the split of duties that's right them were. And yeah, we got a confirmation that we were we, kind of spot on. I think we kind of got an answer, and all of our hypotheses were right, baby. As I don't want to do our own horn, but we got a decent track <laughs> record here at Alvo Audible, guys. Yeah, and so yeah, so our speculation. I, was, I don't like to say it because people are going to dig up all of our old stuff and just trash us. You know, we're going to get just <laughs> freezing, away freezing cold Alamo ticks. <laughs> <laughs> They're colder than the basement of the Alamo. So oh god, Jared. So the. <laughs> The, the 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 two coach split you've got well first off trailers like dude 
half of your offense is on the offensive line. So you got to have two guys mm-hmm. focus on that position. You got to have four eyes, two guys, just because of the sheer number of people that are at that group. And so that's why he likes two coach set up there. And then, yeah, we were talking about how Kurt Trailer, uh, Jeff Trailer's brother, uh, he's also the run game coordinator. And then you've got Jared Anderson, who we longtime TCU coach, who we just brought in to be the assist, quote unquote, assistant offensive line coach. What we had speculated was Jared Anderson, Jared Anderson's really going to be kind of hands on with the offensive line technique wise, getting better, being good blockers. And then uh, Kurt Trailer is going to be really involved with having the offensive line and the way that they work within UTSA's run game making sure all those schemes, right, those formations, right, guys are in the right spot, putting guys in the place that they need to be. Yeah, it also sounds like uh, Anderson's going to be working the interior lineman more, and Trailer will be working the outside lineman. The more. tackles so a little bit more. Yeah, that's what he did last year. He was focused on the off the tackles and the tight ends. Right. Yeah. right. So I think we'll see a continuation of that, which is good. You know, those techniques do differ quite a bit uh, going from offensive tackle to the interior. I think center and guard is pretty much interchangeable, but obviously you got to snap at center and call up protections. But um, offensive tackles, I think quite a bit difference, different skill set. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's nuanced, but. Well, the trailer kind of talked about that too. And, and it's probably better for a casual listener. X's and O's wise, right? Your, your offensive tackle on the outside, and he's got the, the duty of, a lot of times picking up that defensive end, the guy that's coming off the corner trying to rush. And a lot of times it's one-on-one stand up and the better guy mm-hmm. is going to win that battle. Whereas if you're a center, you're an offensive guard, you're doing a lot of combo blocking, got a lot of help. Yeah. Someone else kind of double teaming with you. Yeah. In addition, I thought it was interesting that uh, Jeff trailer said that Kurt trailers run game coordinator title pretty much just gives him veto power when it comes to like any disagreements with the yeah. run game or, yeah, which was interesting. Right. So it kind of gives him like a little bit of level of seniority where like if there's a disagreement amongst the staff, you know, Kurt's going to be the one that makes that final decision of like what the path forward is. Um, so I think that was that was cool. That was interesting. You um, need that. Yeah, you kind of need. Yeah, that. They're, they're a very like collaborative staff, which I really like. It's not like one genius maestro back there calling his own offense, you know. Um, so that's Coach cool even, said, even said something. Sometimes if they have an idea, I'll let them use it and just watch it fail. And I, I knew I knew it wouldn't work from the jump, but it's a better way for them to learn. And I thought that was hysterical. Yeah. But he, but he was talking about his whole philosophy around the coaching collaboration. It just made a lot mm-hmm. of sense. And mm-hmm. he was talking about his internal promotion strategy and, and the way he you kind of got like a, a peek inside the way that he uses that science behind it yeah i love you it know? and you know as, as someone that like manages people in my day job i love when jeff talks about his like leadership strategies because all oh. that he does is like taken from corporate leadership stuff and it's really cool <laughs> and, but, and, and like people are gonna are gonna perceive that in a negative way when i say that um but I, I think it's actually good like i do think like modern leadership strategies are pretty sound as long as you're willing to put your ego aside and like actually listen to people and develop people and jeff has shown time and time again that you know he doesn't have that ego and like he he loves to like um mentor and and help develop coaches and i think yeah, it's really cool step aside. I, I think it's a yeah i think it's a big part of utsa success to be honest with you well and again you know the proof is in the pudding the evidence shows that whatever he's doing is working and yeah, yeah he's, he's he's definitely fair with with allowing critique and, and allowing that input yeah but, dude the- <laughs> adrian can you imagine if you're listening to this podcast first time you just listen to 17 minutes of offensive line technique and tactics and now we're talking about corporate management structure and strategy like what the hell these people are like these guys are insane there's like 209 episodes of this crap utsa athletics breakdown that you will not get anywhere else one million percent yeah nor will you get references to two financial crises in the first five minutes of an episode so yeah man i mean we we cover all bases here we cover a lot of ground on this podcast that's for sure but and i'd also say on the on the on the point of offensive line i mean those aren't the only guys on utsa's offense that do the blocking man i mean like through the whole jeff trailer regime it's been very very focused on everybody gets their hands dirty and it's tight ends it's wide receivers that's running backs Sometimes it's Frank Harris going downfield. 
True. We don't like to see, but he, he doesn't yeah. care. Frank, doesn't Frank care. has thrown some blocks in his day. And so I, I can't say they've been good ones. I think I'll, I think I'll agree with that. I think I'll admit that. But he's, you know, sometimes it, look, a bad block is better than no block, right? And sometimes a right. bad block is enough to prevent a tackle and lead to a touchdown. But you um, see, but you see those UTSA receivers and tight ends getting after it all guys. Off offensive line, real quick. Trailer mentioned that while they're super deep at offensive line this spring, they're crazy thin in defensive line. What is that? What is that about? What is that about? I don't know. I don't know. Because when I scroll through the roster and I'm looking at the defensive linemen, I'm like, holy crap. They are freaking loaded in that that three down set. We recognize all the we recognize a lot of the names on there. It's not like a whole bunch of talent was lost on defense. I don't know. I how many guys did they say are out with injury right now? It was like a really high number. But even if you got four guys out on the defensive line, I would still think he got some pretty solid depth up there. I mean, you got Tremaine Bell, Nick Booker Brown, Osiris Simon, Ronald Triplett. Brandon Brown, Joe Evans, Christian Clayton. But you can't Leonard, think it's like you can't Brandon think it's Patterson? you can't think it's coach speak. It's not like he's trying to fool anyone. No, not this spring. No. So 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 there's got to be something to it, right? I don't is know. he just talking Maybe about it's tweaks? Like specifically just... nose tackle is thin. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. How many Maybe. guys on that? How many guys on that defense are like those fifth year seniors? We've got a few of those on there, don't yeah, we? Yeah, there's a bunch for sure. Christian Clayton's one. He made um, a really weird kind of off off the wall comment about uh, the. I think Luca or someone. I can't remember who it was. Someone asked him about the players that are coming off of injury because we had so many injuries last year. And I think he was asking about Makai Hart in specific, but he, he kind of said everyone. You know, all those guys are coming off of injury. And Taylor said it's been hard. Those guys didn't think that they were going to be here at this time you know, a, a year ago, they thought they were playing their last season and, and now they're back. And so I don't know it seemed like there was like a, like a mental sort of thing that, that, that a lot of these guys that got injured last season are coming back for their, for their fifth campaign or fifth year senior campaign is uh, I don't know. Like there's like a mental block or something. It was a really weird comment. I don't know if you caught that or not. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh, I might have revisit that one. It, it, it just kind of passed it from one in here and out the other. I didn't think much of it, but mm -hmm. yeah, maybe there's something there. Okay, yeah, let's do a little cooling yeah. and come back and let's talk about some skill positions. If you're a new listener to Alma Audible, I hope you enjoyed hearing your first cumbia break. We call it cumbia caliente. Cumbia if you want the MP3, the shoot me an email. I'll send it to you. That's right. That's right. The MP3 is available, and it's a fire cumbia track. You can play it at your next barbecue, next tailgate, next house yeah. party. For sure. We bring the Southwest military vibes to the podcast. I love it. One and only. <laughs> so you I want to talk it. about skill positions. Yeah. Running back. Running back is probably the focus of the spring. When it comes to the skill positions, right? It's a room that's uh, a little more packed than than we thought it was going to be, and and I think everyone knows. Look, Kavorian Barnes separated himself as the man here at UTSA, and he's going to be the man here for a long time. But we got to figure out who else is going to run run alongside him, relieve him of a few snaps, give him that break that he needs. Who's going to be the change of pace back or backs? Yeah, I kind of see it as a three-man race. Robert Henry, the Juco transfer, I think he's the top uh, rusher in Juco, uh, comes in. Rocco Griffin, transfer from Vanderbilt, that had some pretty successful seasons yep. out there in Nashville. And then uh, Brandon High is an early enrollee, but he, I think he was the highest-rated high school running back UTSA's ever signed. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, his mm -hmm. film, yeah, he looks really special, right? And he sat out the majority of his uh, senior high school season. Yep. So his legs are fresh and he's just been prepping, you know, for this opportunity coming in as a freshman and rolling early. I'm not gonna be surprised if any three of those guys kind of break through. I think high's got to be the guy long-term, but you know, Henry and Griffin are young too. I mean, Henry's a junior and Griffin's just a retro sophomore. So 
I mean, I think the battle that you've seen between those guys for snaps this spring is going to continue on for a long time, right? I, I, I agree with you. I think Kavorian is like the guy like going forward until, you know, he makes his entry into the NFL or whatever he does. Um, but I think those other guys, like they're, they're, we're going to see some pretty intense competition from all three of them. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just going to be who's, who's going to be able to adjust to the competition at this level, who's going to learn the playbook and really know the playbook at this level. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, a, a guy like Brandon High, he's just such an insane, insanely high ceiling on that guy. But mm-hmm. he's got to adjust to the college game. You got to see how he adjusts to it. You know, it's it's not a guarantee, but this guy was, a, I think, like the number 30 back in the nation uh, whenever mm-hmm. he came to UT or mm-hmm. coming out of high school. And yeah, I mean, you, you got to respect the the potential there. How fast can he can he come in and be an impact player? Rocco Griffin, you know, played at Vanderbilt, has been at the D1 level, been at the P5 level. So maybe he's a little bit more ready, quicker than a guy like Brandon High. But mm-hmm. man, throughout the season, I think you're going to see a whole lot of mix up. Yeah, coming out of that running back room. And I think it's safe to just say for UTSA fans that that's going to be a position that be extremely solid at i think uh going into next season yeah and and you know just last year we had so many question marks at that position it's really figured itself out yeah i think the rest of the offense is going to be so solid that no matter who ends up getting the nod for that next carry after kaborian leaves the game i think the running back group is going to be in pretty fine shape um you know as long as frank harris is throwing the ball to JT, Zakari, and Josh, and that offensive line stays as deep as they've been throughout the spring heading into the fall, I think they're going to be just fine, right? Like if the rest of the offense is humming along, the running backs are going to get plenty of opportunity, right? Um, so I'm not I'm not too worried about this position. Um, it was a controversial take of mine last year that I was not worried about running back with since Sincere McCormick going on to the league. Um, and that turned out to be pretty fine, even though mm. UTSA didn't really find their kind of like breakout performer running back. Um, until Kaborian came along at the end of the season. But, you know, between uh, 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 not full health, Brendan Brady and uh, yep. Traylon Smith, you know, that, they were just good enough to move the ball and keep the offense chugging along. So I think the more critical question, the one that demands an answer sooner than later, Jared, is who in the hell is going to take over UTSA's offense? In 2024, after Frank Harris once and for all steps away, because we 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 still don't know, he's been the starting quarterback for uh, three or go, four years, three and a half, and through none of those has he really had a clear cut backup behind him. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, so, I don't know. I mean, uh, Josh Atkins, I, I would say it was pretty clear backup. Sure. Okay. Outside of that, though, yeah. I mean, we haven't really had a definitive. And, and and we need somebody to separate themselves by a mile with the rest of the quarterback pack to be QB number two and to succeed Frank after his last season, our first year in the AAC. We need that guy. I don't know if he's on campus yet. I don't know if he's on the roster yet mm-hmm. because he hasn't shown up. So I, I, I don't know, but it's got to happen, Jared. It, it's, it's a really starting to become – a very, very pressing issue that nobody is talking about. It's like, don't ask, don't tell. Like no yeah. one, like everyone likes to forget what happened that 2020 season where Frank couldn't stay healthy and there was nobody behind him. We had a we had a rotating cast of mediocre quarterbacks, some of them that could really get the job done with a with an offense that was mm-hmm. more enough was than more than apt enough to go and do it with somebody that could just I mean, do the do the bare minimum, minimize mistakes, right? And so, look, that was just three short seasons ago. I know a lot has changed for UTSA football, but the backup quarterback situation is not still that drastic. Uh, What the hell, man? Who's that guy? Who is that guy, Jared? I don't think I'm as worried about it as you are. There's still a lot of time left to go, right? I mean, unless there's like a really catastrophic injury to Frank, you know, uh, whoever ends up being the guy's going to have like a full year and a half still to develop. Right. So I'm not, I'm not crazy pressed about it, but I do think it's totally a concern worth monitoring. Right. Um, I, I don't, I don't think Eddie was great in, in his limited time last year. In fact, I, I thought he was maybe better the previous year and his red shirt season. Right. Eddie so Marburger. 
Yeah, yeah. So I don't think that he's got a firm grasp on that QB two spot. And I Owen McCallum looked really good his true freshman uh, starting season at Colorado, right? So mm-hmm. I think the competition is going to be really tight between those two. Mm-hmm. You know, Eddie Lee is a great quarterback and he's super talented and he knows the offense better. Um, but he's going to have to do better than he did last year in game action to be the for sure quarterback heading into 2024. Yeah. Yep. And I'll say too, I, I don't, I don't anticipate him like, you know, being back a quarterback, but Jackson Gilkey sure looks the part, man. He, there mm. was a picture of him mm. at practice. I was like, good God, it looks like a statue. <laughs> <laughs> have, have we ever had a quarterback that looks like your all American gunslinger before yeah no he's a house for sure man. i don't think we have maybe uh zach conk if anyone remembers zach conk six but two not not the same level six two two twenty yeah and to give you perspective on mcgowan six two one seventy five gilkey man he's a, he's a he's a beast bro <laughs> 50 pounds of difference between them yeah. <laughs> it's insane <Yeah>. dude <laughs> man so we got to see what happens at that quarterback position man yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing all the fans are going to be watching in the spring game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Spe- speaking of spring game, it has moved. Wow. It's now taking place on Friday, the 14th at the Alamo dome. Shout out to Greg Lugo. First time UTSA will play the spring game in the Alamo dome in seven years, seven years, man. I remember, I remember the, that, sh- that shook me in my core. The Three first days. days of the spring game. It took place right there in the Alamo dome and, so for those that don't know, uh, San Antonio has an annual uh, festival of sorts, if you will. It's called Fiesta. Think of Mardi Gras for New Orleans. It's pretty much the equivalent of Mardi Gras in New Orleans. It's in San Antonio. Uh, very, very Spanish influence, like Spanish uh, uh, version of that. Very, very old festival that celebrates the town and uh, goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Well, 100, I don't know, 200, right? 150. So Fiesta is this big, big festival across the city, and the spring game is what's called an officially sanctioned Fiesta event. All these Fiesta events happen downtown for all the fun stuff happens. So the Fiesta game would happen at the Alamo Dome, which is where UTSA plays their games. And, uh, you know, there was like a carnival in the parking lot and (laughs) this, that, and the other. And, you know, you you had the game. But for anyone that's been to UTSA knows, uh, Alamo Dome's kind of on the other side of town from the actual main campus, main campus is up in the burbs, North side, not in downtown, not on the river walk. So for the last seven years, it's been adjacent to campus, not on campus, actually at the neighboring high school facility, um, North side ISD's Dove fair stadium right next to UTSA. It's a gorgeous football complex. It's no Alamo dome. We don't play anything else there. Uh, people liked it because it was closer to campus. Some people didn't like it because it wasn't the Alamo dome. Jared, what are your thoughts? I'm a big fan. I'm all for it. Um, I don't know like what the the break-even point is financially on opening up the Alma Dome for spring game. Sure. Um, it's yeah. a big, big old facility for spring game, but I like it, man. I think it's cool for the players. It's cool for the recruits. And, uh, you know, just as a fan, it's nice to get back to the Dome every once in a while. I think it's the right thing to do. It's where our game, it's where we play. It's our home stadium, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's only right that it's there. I, I also you know, I, I think Jeff Trailer's got the idea of, you know, having UTSA be quote unquote your big time college football. And you see your your big program spring game gets a gets a lot of glamour around it, maybe a lot more than it deserves. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's nice for for it to be hyped up a little bit and to get a we, little we bit. We say of that like we're not about to get on here in a couple of weeks and just like hyper dissect every single thing that happened in the spring game. <laughs> we are the problem I, here. <laughs> well, it's a good thing for it to be in the Alamo so people can can give it it's just due and whenever we sit here and we talk about it you know it's an event that happened in the Alamo Dome and, and not the high school stadium next to yeah. <laughs> next to UTSA's campus it's a little bit better we'll go ahead and wrap it up on that uh just a couple of I guess housekeeping items uh we are well I don't know I'm not sure the order that this be published but we do have a new episode of around the bird bath with which is our baseball podcast Yep. That I think will probably be out by the time you listen to this. That's on our main Alamo Audible feed and on our website, of course. Uh, Dan had a former UTSA player, Trent Lockwood, on. Uh, Trent was great. A lot of cool stories, uh, not only about his time at UTSA, but also playing independent league baseball. Uh, I, and the, like those stories can get wild, right? So, um, so definitely check that out if you're a UTSA baseball fan. 
Um, and yeah, check us out on social media if you're not already following us and check out our website. It is your one-stop shop for all things Alma Audible and UTSA. And uh, I guess until episode 210, when we do our top five San Antonio players of all time at UTSA. Oh, baby. We'll see you guys there. And thanks for following. Thank you.